0: Guests with us. Let's give all of our guests a great big hand clap. We're so thankful you're here tonight. Amen. It's good to see Brother and Sister Tumman here. God bless you. Amen. Bless them from Maryville, Tennessee. Amen. We're honored that they are here tonight. We love them so very much. And uh, we do want to say that the church will be available open Uh, from Tuesday to Friday, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. for prayer. If you need to pray, please don't hesitate to come on into the house of God and seek His face and get a hold of Him. God's doing something in our midst, and the more that we call upon Him, amen, the more that we seek His face, hallelujah, the more that we seek His face, the greater the power, the greater the magnitude. He will respond to the cry of the hungry heart. And we're looking forward to all that God has in store for us. I'm thankful for what He's doing in our congregation. Hallelujah. This is the day the Lord has made. And His branches are going out and touching many people. And we are excited to be a part of it. And I'm personally thrilled tonight to have with us some very special friends and and guests. Although for the next uh, several months they're going to be here uh, as a part of First Apostolic Church. Uh, They are transitioning, they are in the middle of a transition uh, from the Liberty Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania that they planted, Pastor and Sister Metters planted the Liberty Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They came through here on their way there, and we were honored and grateful to be able to support their cause, and I had the privilege of preaching the one-year anniversary in 2016, and when I walked in to that place, and I preached in a lot of home missions churches uh, through the years. And, uh, and you never know quite what to expect when you go in because it's at one year old. And when I walked in there and saw the power of God fill that place All right. and hungry people from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania coming to God. I'll never forget when I made the altar call. I just preached a message about the Lamb of God and I just said, and these altars are open. And man, the whole place just flooded those altars and people began to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This couple that are here tonight, Pastor and Sister Metters, are a wonderful couple. They are gifted by God as church planters. They have an anointing on their life to plant churches. And they did it in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They are following the leading of the Holy Ghost as they have transitioned out of the Liberty Church in Philadelphia and t- turned it over to Pastor Hackathorn, who's doing a great job, doing a great work already. And they are now looking to New York City, New York. For God to use them to plant a church there. I love that. Don't you love that faith? Just saying we're going to go right into the big middle of the masses and say, to God be the glory. His name be magnified. And they're going to do a great work. We're excited to be able to support them. We're excited to be able to partner with them. One of the ways that uh, we're doing that is that that in that moment of transition, because they have to raise monies now in order to go to New York City, and so... Uh, In that period of time, they have decided to move to Cincinnati, Ohio and make First Apostolic Church their home base. And we are honored. We are honored. Amen. And we open our hearts to them and we open our arms to them. And we want to be uh, all that God could use us to be to bless them. And uh, and so they will be in and out. They have a lot of traveling to do. They're going to be traveling uh, here and there and everywhere, raising funds for the work in New York City. But when they're home, uh, they're going to be here. First Apostolic Church. And we're truly honored uh, for that. We love this couple. We love Brother and Sister Meadows and we love Parker Meadows. God bless him. This is a wonderful young man who loves God. And uh, we just want them to know that they're welcome to First Apostolic Church. And Pastor Meadows is going to preach the word of God to us tonight. And you're going to be fed. Amen. Could we give him a warm hand clap of appreciation as he comes to deliver the word of the Lord. God bless you, Pastor Meadows. Why
1: don't you clap your hands to Jesus and give him glory and honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you be seated for just a moment and then we will go to the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, Let me just say what an honor uh, and a privilege that it is uh, to be in service with you tonight and to be a part of you uh, for this next season of our lives. Uh, You guys are tremendously blessed, first of all, with the tremendous pastor and family. Do you love your pastor and family? Put your hands together for them. As we began to pray, Tiffany, Parker, and I as to where God would lead us in this next season, I told God, I said, God, I don't want to just be somewhere just for the sake of being somewhere, but God, I want you to lead us and guide us, and I want you to place us and position us where you want us to be. We felt very strongly in the Holy Ghost that that was right here in Cincinnati, Ohio under Pastor Urshan. And so I'm thankful for that. Thank you for opening your doors to us. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of you uh, for this season of our lives. And uh, we're looking forward to what God uh, will do. Thank you for partnering with us over the last several years to plant Liberty Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Come on, give yourselves a hand for being a missions-minded church. We certainly appreciate that. My beautiful wife, Tiffany, she's the best looking thing in shoe leather. She's back there. Little boy, Parker, he is six years old. He was super excited about moving here. And uh, we got to our apartment, and uh, in his closet, he's got a couple of shelves that are big enough for him to hop up in. And he declared those as his clubhouse. And uh, he told me, he said, Dad, I'm going to start a club. And he's been writing up invitations to hand out to our neighbors. And he said, when I get to church on Sunday, he said, I'm going to see who wants to be a part of the club. When he found out that I was speaking tonight and had the microphone and would be in front of everybody, he wanted me to give a shout-out to his new club. And so just... Wanted to do that, I'm not sure how much space there is for membership, so you might want to get right on that, and uh, so just wanted to give him a shout out for that. We're expecting another child, and uh, Tiffany will give birth at the end of April, beginning of May, and uh, so we're excited about that, so hopefully we can help add to the church while we're here one way or another. What an honor and privilege to be here. I know you just sat down, but if you would stand with me one more time. I want to go to the word of the Lord tonight. I want to direct your attention to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number two, and we will read two verses of scripture, verses 25 and 26. If you do not have your Bible, it'll be available for you on the screen. Mark chapter two, verses 25 and 26. Jesus has just finished uh, walking with his disciples And he has been accused of doing things that were unlawful. This is his response. He said unto them, have you never read what David did? When he had need and was and hungered, he and they that were with him, how they went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. Jesus is just doing his thing, walking around, you know, healing the sick, delivering those who need deliverance, just ministering in the moment. His disciples are hungry. They grab some food. There's some accusation that comes against them. Was it right? Was it not right? Should they have done it there? And Jesus responds, let me talk to you about David in the Old Testament. And then while he's telling the story in response, it's almost as if he is just... uh, throwing it in as an extra. By the way, uh, the story that I just told you, it was in the days of Abiathar, the high priest. It really doesn't fit in the text. His audience knew exactly the story that he was talking about. He could have said David went, took the show, read, everybody knew that moment. But he said, by the way, Abiathar was the high priest. Now, I was raised in a home that feared the word of God, respected the word of God, and believed that every word was there for a reason and a purpose, and that Jesus didn't put things there just to fill up space or make the story more interesting. So when I read this text, it begged the question, why would Jesus take time out of his very busy schedule to mention Abiathar here when really it might not be needed? So let's talk about it tonight. I want to preach to you by the help of the Lord from this thought, an echo from the days of Abiathar, an echo from the days of Abiathar. Why don't you place your Bible down? Would you lift your voices, your hands, your hearts toward heaven, and would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight with thanksgiving, with exaltation and adoration from the very bottom of my heart and from the depth of my soul. I cry out unto you, believing that you will respond to our faith and our believing in this house. Anoint our ears to hear, our minds to comprehend, and our hearts to receive what thus saith the word of the Lord. Touch us tonight in this place individually and collectively in this house. We will not fail to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Jesus, matchless name we pray. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together for Jesus one more time. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. An echo from the days of Abiathar. Jesus mentions this character, Abiathar. I remember reading the text and Stumbling across it and and read it really just in passing. I'd read the text prior, before and and but but coming across to this one particular day, I read it and kind of scanned through it. And I think I was about three or four verses down past this text, and and then I thought, wait a minute, I, I think I just read something. And so I, I went back up and I I reread it again, and I thought, okay, and I just I kept reading the chapter and. And and I got to the next chapter and finished it and I was done with my reading for the day and I remember closing my Bible, putting it on the shelf and going to do what I was doing next and about five minutes later, I walked back into my office, I picked up my Bible, I opened up the Bible, went back to these two verses and I read it again and I thought, why does he mention Abiathar there? And it, it sparked an interest. So I began to look at this character. Many people are mentioned in the Bible, and we know exactly who they are. We know what they did. We know what they were all about. But I've got to admit to you tonight, when I read the name of Abiathar in Mark, I, I really couldn't remember exactly his part in Scripture. I, I knew that he was a priest. I knew that I read about him. I knew he was in the Old Testament. But I couldn't remember his story really well. And so I began to dive into it. He's actually mentioned 28 times in Scripture. His name literally means my father excels. He was not just a priest, he was a high priest. He was the fourth in the line after Eli. He was 10th overall in the line of the high priest. Priesthood. Now you have to understand that when we talk about priests in the Bible, they, they are a peculiar bunch. They are a special breed of people and God set up the priesthood to come after the line of Aaron and they would serve a, a God for his purpose, a very holy purpose. They're referred to as priests in Exodus 31 and 10 and the Bible calls them anointed priests in Leviticus 4 and 3. It, it goes on to also mention that they are uh, the priesthood uh, called chief priests. Priest, and this is mentioned in Second Chronicles twenty six uh, and twenty. And then there there was another title. They said there were there were priests, chief priests that that, that were above their brethren of among priesthood of brethren. And this is mentioned in Second Kings chapter twelve and verse number ten. And these priesthood, God was giving them a very special delegation as to who they were and who they would be in His kingdom. This this was not something you could just sign up for. It was not something you could just apply. Apply to be a part of. This was something specific. It had to be God called and it had to be God ordained. And so these uh, these priests, they would basically serve as the function around the tabernacle of the temple of God and they would take care of the day-to-day duties of the house of the Lord and, and this was the role of the priesthood. But then there was the high priest and, and while they would tend to some day-to-day duties of the tabernacle, they, they, they also had a very special purpose. They they and they alone were permitted to step inside of the Holy of Holies and interact with the Spirit of God. Now now in those days you understand with me not just anybody could step into the presence of Jehovah and feel what you and I feel today. Uh, but the high priesthood they they would step into these special moments with God and they they would have these experiences and and they would come out and you could see it on their faces what they had encountered uh, with God. Because of this very special purpose. There was a very elaborate system that they would walk through uh, to become purified to, to fulfill the role of the priesthood and in particular the high priesthood. They they would go through an elaborate seven day ritual which included multiple baths and, and they would go through this anointing process uh, that uh, had blood and water all a part of it and, and there were sacrifices given and, and they had particular garments that they would uh, wear. They would wear a blue robe and an ephod and, and they had a breastplate a gold uh, breastplate uh, with holy to Yahweh inscribed upon it. There there were twelve precious stones and on those stones engraved uh, were the tribes of Israel and these uh, were things that God did a separation between the priesthood, uh, the high priesthood and, 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 and the average people of the nation it was a very special position uh, that God had ordained. Understand with me that that these high priests, uh, if it was not for the Spirit of God, that they they, they would not have had a purpose in life. Uh, This this was what their life circled around. Uh, Their life was not centered around something else and the Spirit of God fit in where it fit in. No, no, no. The Spirit of God was their primary focus in life. Uh, As a matter of fact, if if a relative would die, uh, they were not permitted uh, to associate with the dead or touch the dead or be within so many feet of the dead because they might uh, become defiled and impure and, and it might cause them to be out of touch with the Spirit of God. They had to be on call 24 7 to the Spirit uh, of the Almighty God. And so you understand the Spirit uh, was their primary focus uh, in life. Now, 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 this is where trouble is begins when you begin to look at 1st Samuel chapter number 22 uh, the story that Jesus references uh, David has been anointed as the next king over Israel uh, he has offended King Saul and Saul is out to kill David as a matter of fact uh, he's thrown javelins at him he's put uh, his mugshot shot on a wanted poster Dead or alive, bring me uh, David. Now David has found a very rebel group of individuals who will follow after him. And and David and his rebel men are on the run from King Saul and his mighty armies. And David and his men are famished. They're hungry. They're thirsty. Uh, They've been on the run for quite some time at this point. Uh, And the Bible says that they climbed the mountain. And they got to a city uh, set on a hill, a city called called Nob. Now Nob was a very special city in the Bible. It was designated for the priesthood. Priests lived in the city. They filled the city high priest and priest alike in those days the high priest among them was Elimelech he had a son by the name of Abiathar Elimelech and Abiathar and all of these other priests lived in the city of Nob and David makes his way into the city and he's hungry he's thirsty and he goes to Elimelech and to the priest in the city and he says we need something to eat and we We've got to have something to drink. And, and they scour the cabinets, and there's really nothing there to, to feed the army that is David's army. And, uh, and so he, Elimelech, the high priest, comes back, and he says, David, I'm sorry, but, but the only thing that I would have that would do the job is, is the showbread. But it, it, it's designated for the priesthood, and uh, it, it's not for common individuals. And and David looked back at Elimelech, and he says, well, uh, we have kept ourselves pure And we've kept ourselves holy. And and I think it would be all right if you would use it for God's purpose and you would feed me and my men. You know that God's anointing is resting on me. And uh, Elimelech, he really was trying to find a loophole that would get him out of this moment. Uh, That's the reason that he brought the showbread up in the first place, uh, is because Elimelech was not certain uh, as if he wanted to help David. You need to understand with me that. This was a very perplexing situation. If they help David, King Saul has already declared that anybody who helps David is going to be sentenced to death. He realizes that if we assist David in this moment, we are setting ourselves up to be killed. On the other hand, if we do not assist David, we might be stepping on the wrong side side of the spirit of God this was a very real dilemma that brought Elimelech together with the whole community of priests and they began to talk about their situation we can refuse help to David and the king will look down upon us he might build us a new building and he he, he might give us a pay increase and, and he might pave our roads and he might build us nicer houses and if we were to tell the king that David is here and not assist him Uh, good things could be in store for us Uh, on the other hand uh, if we help David uh, we're certainly going to die Uh, nothing good can come of it whatsoever Uh, they were ready to cast ballots and the the opinion in the room was probably very strong uh, leaning toward not helping uh, David Uh, but somewhere in the process of this talk uh, somebody began to speak up up, uh, and said something like this uh, I understand the pitfalls of helping David uh, and I understand the discomfort of the moment uh, and I understand the uncertainty of tomorrow uh, but, but, but but, we ought to, to obey God uh, rather than man. Don't you realize that if we help David uh, and step on the side of God, uh, that, that, that we are putting ourselves against the rest of culture, uh, against the rest of society, uh, and against the rest of the world uh, and the powers uh, that be. Uh, yes, I understand that. Uh, but don't you understand uh, that if we side with culture, uh, the community and the world as it is, uh, we are putting ourselves uh, against the spirit uh, of God and somebody made the decision I don't know how uncomfortable it will become I don't know how ugly it will get but I choose my anointing and my calling and the spirit of God over anything that the world I come to preach to First Apostolic Church tonight and tell you uh, that the Spirit of God uh, is the single greatest asset uh, that you and I possess. uh, And for no reason uh, can we ever uh, compromise uh, our relationship uh, with the Spirit uh, of God. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, and God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in we live in a generation where churches are popping up on every corner, they're popping up everywhere and they have this overnight success. They fade away, and then another church pops up in its stead. It's it's pop up here, and pop up here. Churches everywhere. And a few years ago, they looked at us, apostolics, spirit-filled tongue talkers, as we were a little strange, a little weird. You stay away from those people. But, but something has changed over the last few years. And now this spirit film business uh, is now culturally accepted. Uh, Everybody uh, claims to be uh, spirit filled uh, today. Uh, They all claim uh, to have a moving uh, of the spirit. uh, But but in many of their circles uh, it's nothing more than just a community uh, a club uh, a connection uh, and there is no real move uh, of God uh, in their service. Uh, What they have done is is minimize uh, the value uh, and the moving uh, and the importance uh, of the Spirit. Is there a day when we might not have to rely on the Spirit? I don't know. I don't think so. But I don't know for sure. But this is what I will tell you. He said as long as my Spirit strives with man. Can I tell you today? I don't know when the day is coming when He says my Spirit will no longer strive with man. But as long as His Spirit is striving, we have an obligation to be Spirit filled and Spirit Led in everything that we do. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so they decide amongst themselves, we better follow the Spirit of God. So they do. In their midst, there was a spy by the name of Doeg. And Doeg went and was a little tattletale and told King Saul Elimelech, Abiathar and the priesthood they just fed King David they gave him shelter and Saul looked back at his men and he said they need to die who will kill them all of his men kind of took a step back they killed a lot of people weren't sure they wanted to touch the man of God though but there's somebody, there's always somebody. And Doeg stood forward. He said, I'll, I'll do it. And Doeg stepped in to that city of Nob and he took a sword and he killed every living thing in the city. Unarmed priesthood died at the hand of Doeg at the word of Saul because they followed the spirit of God. But the Bible says that one person got away. Abiathar. Abiathar. I'm not sure how he did it. He might have hid behind rocks and trees and houses. But somehow, someway, while the sword was coming after him, he dodged every onslaught of Doeg. And he made his way to the city gates. And he had escaped. But he realized he was missing something. I don't have my ephod. I escaped the edge of the sword. I got away when everybody else died but something's missing in my life. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they went to leave the Garden of Eden. And God said, before you go, wait a minute. And he put garments on Adam and Eve to clothe them. And they were not permitted to have that type of relationship with God again until the priesthood stepped into the Holy of Holies. And God looked at Moses to tell Aaron... I'm inviting you back into my presence to feel the Shekinah glory of the Almighty God. But if you're going to come into the Holy of Holies, I don't want you wearing the same garments you left when you left the garden. I want to give you something special. I want to give you an ephod. And if you're going to step into my presence, do not do it without the ephod on your back. And Abiathar has escaped the city. But he knows if I don't have the ephod, I can't step back into the presence of God. I can't fulfill my role as the new high priest if I don't have the ephod. I escaped. I should run to the hills and hide. But wait a minute. I can't live in my calling if I don't equip with the anointing that... He knew that he might die, but watch what he does. He comes back into the city. He's looking everywhere for Doeg, and he goes to where it was hit. puts it on his back and then he begins to sneak around the city uh, until he gets back to the city gates uh, and then he steps outside of the city uh, but only uh, and only uh, when he had his ephod uh, around him uh, can I preach to somebody uh, in 2018 uh, we are living life uh, scared to death anymore Uh, the spirit of fear uh, is upon this generation uh, and some of us uh, have long since forgotten the idea of thriving in the spirit uh, and being anointed uh, to do great things. Uh, Many of us uh, are living in a state uh, where we're just trying to survive the day, uh, the month, uh, and the year. Uh, Some of us are going to school uh, and some of us go to the job uh, and our highest hope uh, is just to survive the moment. Uh, But can I tell you that God uh, has not called us to survive. Uh, He's called us to thrive. Survival is not survival. uh, If you don't come out of it with your calling uh, and your anointing uh, and your gifts. I'm not just trying to get through high school, young people. uh, Get through college. uh, I'm going to get through it with my anointing. uh, I'm going to get through it with my calling. uh, I'm going to get through it with the gifts uh, that God uh, has given me. I got to have the ephod. uh, I got to have the... We live in a generation that's more interested in the iPhone and the iPad and the iPod than what they are, the ephod. But there's a generation that's coming back that says, give me calling and give me anointing before you give me anything else. Be seated. I'm sorry. Calm down. It's just Sunday night, people. Trying to control myself and Abiathar escapes the city now that he's away from Doeg where are you going to go the hills just came from there the valley the desert after you've seen the mass murder you just kind of want to be by yourself and find a place to hide and find some shelter and he began to pray God where would you have me go where do you think Abiathar was called to Abiathar is now the high priest. With the death of his father, he's the man. He represents the spirit of God. Where is the spirit of God always drawn to? It's drawn to the heart of God. Abiathar represents the spirit of God. David is a man after God's own heart. And when the spirit was looking for a direction... God pointed it in the direction of his heart and said, if you're going to march, you march toward my heartbeat and Abiathar started walking toward the cave of Adullam and he got where David was and he said you've caused me nothing but trouble so far Bo you you have killed my family you're responsible for me having to leave my house the spirit of God that's on you has messed my life all up but there's something inside of me that's still drawing me to be a part of what David already knew how this worked he talked about the spirit and the heart a whole bunch he knew they went together just like this because of my spirit and my heart they've got to be in sync can I tell first apostolic church we want a move of the spirit like we've never felt before we want revival like we've never experienced before but the only way it comes is if we entangle ourselves with the heart of God and love what He loves, uh, hate what he hates, uh, and let our heart uh, beat uh, to the vibrations uh, of his heart. And so Abiathar, he hops up in the cave of Adullam with David. He follows David around. They hide from spear and sword from King Saul, and they, they, they live a very rough life. But the day comes when Saul passes away. His son, Jonathan, dies, and they are ready to anoint David as the next king over Israel. If I am Abiathar, let, let just be real. I have suffered with this cat. I have bled. I almost died. I have lost a great deal because of David. If he's moving into the palace, I'm expecting to move into the temple right next door. And the temple probably should be more elaborate than the palace, and I think that I, as Abiathar, should be high priest of that temple. And I'm going to coast out the rest of my days right in the middle of the greatest city in the nation and the most beautiful edifice in the nation, doing what I love, serving the Lord. Bad days are behind, and there's nothing but good days ahead. Something funny happens. David ascends to the throne. There's this royal celebration. Crowds are chanting his name. But Abiathar doesn't make the trip. We're not certain as to what happens to Abiathar. But he's not there. He's not the high priest. David puts somebody else in. Instead of him, Abiathar. Now if I'm Abiathar, I might have got a little bit frustrated by that. I was in the cave with you. And when you got promoted, you left me behind. And now David is doing his thing in Israel, and Abiathar's in the middle of nowhere doing nothing. And David starts looking around one day. Church building's beautiful. We've got good praise and worship. Preaching's great. Seats are nice. There's not enough of the Spirit of God around here. Matter of fact, I, I don't remember a good move of the Spirit since. This is gonna sound strange, but the last real move of God I remember was back in the cave of Adullam. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we need the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. We need the Spirit of God back in our midst. Yeah. All right, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant back. But wait a minute, the Ark of the Covenant, if it's coming back, it needs to be led by a high priest. Oh, well, David, we got many priests who can. Wait a minute. If I'm going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, and I'm going to try to bring those old feelings of revival and the Spirit of God back, uh, I don't want just anybody leading it. Uh, some carnal Joe who I don't know what he's done. Uh, I, 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 I I want to know somebody I trust, uh, who I know is close to God. I, I I wonder who, i tell you who I want. Uh, there was a guy with me back in the cave of Adullam. Uh, his name was... Uh, uh, Abiathar was his... I don't even know where he's at. I don't know what he's doing. I I haven't seen him on Facebook lately. I have no idea where he's at. Could you go find Abiathar? Then watch what David says. And if... If he's still serving the Lord, then I want you to bring, you understand, Abiathar, he's got every reason to hang up the ephod. He's lost his family. He lost his church. He lost his home. And now David, his friends have forsaken. He's got every reason to quit on God. And he's got every reason to walk away. But they went on a search. Where's Abiathar? Well, he's not in town. Maybe he's in the next city over pastoring that large church down there. No, no, he's not there. Maybe he's got that radio program just south of us that we hear. He's it not there. and They can't find him anywhere. And finally, they make their way into obscurity, the middle of nowhere, doing nothing, not on anybody's billboards and nobody's radar, but in the middle of nowhere, there are people who need a touch from God. And who do you think is serving them? It's a Abiathar. He's a little older now. He's been through a little bit of stuff. Had some reasons to quit on God. But every Sunday, that old high priest stepped to the podium and said, Thus saith the word. When he should have walked away, when he should have quit on God, he kept putting one foot in front of God. What are you saying, brother Matters? I'm saying this. Uh, I know you might have got it passed over for the promotion on the job. Uh, and I understand your family uh, might have betrayed you. Uh, and I understand death came to your home. Uh, and I understand uh, that everything that should have happened uh, hasn't happened. Uh, and some things have gone wrong. Uh, but don't quit on god uh, don't walk out on him uh, stay faithful uh, stay faithful uh, stay faithful uh, in the good times uh, and the bad uh, stay faithful and a bye, Abiathar, they find him. He gets called for the biggest moment in the history of Israel. And here he is. He's leading the Ark of the Covenant back into the city. And when it gets there, they have unprecedented revival. And Abiathar's just doing his thing that he's always dreamed of. But Abiathar comes from a family that starts really, really really good but doesn't finish so well there's Eli great man of God amazing man of God but when he got a little older in years he undervalued the presence and the Spirit of God and he overvalued what family and friends wanted and he let some things slip that were essential to the kingdom of God. And then there was Eli's son, Phineas, raised in the church, knew what it was like to feel the presence of God. But as he got a little older, started associating with strange fire, doing things that were not condoned by God. And it cost him his life. Then there was Elimelech. Started out strong for God. But the curse put on Eli. That your family will not serve long in the kingdom. As a high priest. And not many will live long lives. Fell trapped to Elimelech, And while he was waging the war as to whether or not he wanted to serve God with David. Or give up David to Saul. God took his life from him. You see, Abiathar has a family that starts out good, but they can't quite finish the job. Abiathar has some tempting moments, but he stays faithful. But David is about to pass away. And he, rumor has it, is going to promote Solomon as the next king. And Adonijah, his other son, thinks that he should be the next king. And so he goes and starts his own little party. And Abiathar doesn't agree with David on this particular matter. He doesn't want Solomon to be king. He thinks Adonijah will make a better king. And so Abiathar joins himself to Adonijah. And at that very moment... David places Solomon as the next king over Israel. And smoke goes in the air and the trumpets sound. And everybody knows there's a new king. And Adonijah's men scatter. And Adonijah and Joab and Abiathar find themselves at the horns of an altar. Because they know they've done wrong. And Solomon has Joab and Adonijah killed because of their transgressions against the kingdom and against the nation and against God but then he summons Abiathar to come before him and he looks at Abiathar and this is what he says I ought to to kill you because of what you have done it's just another story another chapter in the line of his family started strong But couldn't finish the job. I ought to kill you right here and right now. But I won't. Instead, I will send you back to Anathoth. The place of your birth. And you will spend the rest of your days there. And Abiathar realizes he's lost the high priesthood. He will never serve as a high priest again. The high priesthood was given by God, and it was a lifetime term that you never, ever lost. The only person who lost it in the history of Israel and the word of God was a the only man to have it stripped from him. And here he is on his way back to Anathoth. And he probably was saying to himself, why didn't you just kill me, Solomon? You've stripped my anointing and my calling away. You've taken the only thing that has kept me living and going to this point. Why not just finish me off? Biathar gets back to Anathoth uh, and he sits down. uh, The very name uh, Anathoth, uh, it means uh, echoes uh, of answered uh, prayers, uh, echoes uh, of answered prayers. Prayers is the literal meaning of Anathoth, and Abiathar gets back to the city of his birth, and he begins to sit there, and he begins to reminisce about bygone days. I remember serving God in Jerusalem. I remember leading the Ark of the Covenant back. I remember the days in obscurity. I remember the cave of Adullam. I remember the city of Nob, and he's sitting here, and all of a sudden. Somewhere in the distance, uh, there's an echo, echo. What's that I'm hearing? I'm hearing something in the faint distance. It's an echo somewhere in the distance. What's that voice that I'm hearing? What's those words that I'm hearing? And all of a sudden God begins to take a back to answer prayers. I don't know what he said and how he said it, but maybe something along the lines of you and I praying a few years ago, the very first time we made it to an altar when we were so over overwhelmed by God's presence, uh, that we said things like this. Uh, God, uh, if you can use anything, Lord, uh, you can use me. Uh, God, uh, if I never feel uh, your presence again, uh, I will serve you uh, until my dying day. Uh, God, uh, regardless of what comes, uh, come let me, uh, I will give my life uh, to and when a man who's lost his calling and his anointing and his giftings in life and feels like his life is over, all of a sudden he feels the grace and the mercy of God wrap his arms around him and whisper, Abiathar, I could have had you killed by Solomon. You should have died with Joab and Adonijah, but I love you too much. I wanted to bring you back to an echo of a prayer you prayed along long time ago what does this mean for you and I I'll tell you what it means there are days that are tough and there are seasons that are hard I know it and you know it and there are moments where thoughts creep in our spirits and in our mind I should give up I should just quit it's not worth it And in those moments when we can't feel God the way we want to feel Him and we're not dancing and overwhelmed in His presence, those moments, there's a whisper from the Spirit. It's an echo of a prayer that you prayed a long time ago and you are held together by answered prayers of God. I've come tonight into this house To remind somebody of an echo from the past. Because you're going through a season right now you don't understand. And you're fighting a season right now that you're not sure if you're going to make it out of. But God says, I remember a prayer that you prayed. And I've come to hold you together with an echo from bygone prayers. If you would have asked anybody in Israel... What they thought of Abiathar. You know what they would have said? Failure. Had it all going on. But couldn't finish the job. He was lost. But then Jesus. Comes along. He's picking some food. When he's attacked by the enemy. And he said you remember the days of David. And by the way, in case you can hear me out there, Abiathar, it was in the days of Abiathar. Oh, you mean that failure, that sinner, that lost one? Jesus says, let me tell you how I remember Abiathar. He was a high priest in my kingdom. When history, Jesus himself records the words of the legacy of Abiathar for how he will be remembered for all eternity. It's not the one who failed, the one who gave up, the one who quit, or the one who lost out. But he said, I remember Abiathar because of prayers. I remember the high priest. Stand with me across the building tonight as I hasten. Watch this. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 3. Genesis 5 and verse number 3. God is speaking to Moses. And he wants to write the history, the lineage, and the genealogy of Adam. And in Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 3, if we can throw it on the screen, please. This is what is written. And Adam lived in 130 years. And he begat a son in his own likeness. He begat a son. God is writing the genealogy, the history, the lineage of Adam here. And he said, Adam lived 130 years and begat a, singular, son, Singular. Adam had sons, plural. He had Cain and then he had Abel. But Cain became a murderer and Abel died. You see, Adam was the first man, the first man to fail, the first man to fall into sin. He was a failure as an individual, he was a failure as a husband. And because one of his sons died and another became a murderer, by anybody's standard, we could consider him a failure as a father. But when God says, let's talk about the history of Adam and the legacy of Adam. Here's what I want you to write, Moses. Adam lived 130 years and had a son. And his name was Seth. And Seth would find his way into the lineage of Christ. It was God's way of saying, Adam, I'm going to forget about every time you got it wrong. And I'm going to focus on the one time you got it right. I'm here looking for an Abiathar in the house. Who feels like your life could be summed up with one mishap after another. One shortcoming after another. One failure after another. And God came into this house to whisper to an Abiathar and say, I'm not focused on every time you got it wrong. But let me take you back to prayers and the one time you had it right. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I'm talking to people in this house. Maybe you're not living in sin right now, but there are wounds and there are scars. When we think of King David, what do we think of? Psalmist, king, bear, giant, lion, killer. But when David looked at his own life, you want to know what he saw? He said, my sin is ever before me. The best of us in this room, when we look in the mirror, our sin, our mistakes, our shortcomings. And when we go through tough seasons, we want to quit and we want to give up and we want to walk out because all we can focus on is everything we've done wrong and everything that's fallen apart. And God has come with an echo to say, no, 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 no. There was a time when you got it right. If you're in this house tonight, I don't know what we typically do on a Sunday night, but let's just do this tonight. If you're in this house tonight and you feel like you just need an echo of God's presence to just cover you in this house. If you feel like you just need God to overwhelm you once again with his presence and remind you of why you're walking this way and why you're living this way and why you're doing what you're doing, if you just need a reminder... Uh, These altars are open right now. And I wonder if you would step out from where you're seated. And I wonder if you would make your way around the front. You want to kneel, kneel. You want to sit, sit. You want to stand, stand. You do whatever makes you comfortable. And I wonder who would make their way to this place. And say, God. God. Remind me of what I felt that caused me to pray those prayers. Remind me of what brought me this far. Because it's what's going to take me the rest of the way. Come on, as they play and sing, would you lift your voices? Come on, let's make this entire sanctuary an, an altar right now. With eyes closed and hands lifted it to heaven. like you, Lord, in all the earth. Come on, somebody talk to him right now. Hallelujah. Love in Hallelujah. Cause nothing in this world can satisfy, cause Jesus, you the cup that hold undone. Your presence cause your presence.